Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of February 15th. I'm your host, D. Suave, Derek Kessinger, joined by the editorial staff of Kevin Kovac, Robert Holman, and Kyle McFadden. And Kovac, Hudson O'Neill finally got the monkey off his back. And when we were recording this on this fine Tuesday, happy Valentine's Day, everybody, he's won three straight. And that's a complete 180 of what just what he was just the week before East Bay, um, 23 days ago when we were at Volusia, when they, they didn't make the show on that Friday. When you finally get that monkey off your back, though, Kovac, things start to feel pretty good. He's got that pressure out of the way, and, man, he's starting to heat up, and he's looking pretty solid here. I want to just begin, though, by saying that Derek and I, we're, doing, we're coming straight from Florida. We're at Volusia Speedway Park this week. And so we're in the house that we're staying in. And, and that background that you see with Derek, that nicely made bed, that's not, that doesn't usually happen. I don't think, I'm not, he, he's, he's usually got, he's usually got stuff flying all over the place. There's, there's sheets I mean, all over the place. So. I, but I know, but you've done a good job making that bed. I'm, I'm very impressed with it. I mean, I think you can bounce a quarter off of that thing. Very good. Uh, yeah, our producer of the show about- <laughs> actually was watching me make the bed pre-race or pre-show, so. I had to make sure it looked pretty nice for the backdrop. <laughs> it does. It looks nice. It looks like a hotel room almost. So, uh, but talking about Hudson, man, you're you're totally right, uh, Derek. I mean, just the the turnaround that he's had in the Rocket Chassis House Car team, Rocket Chassis itself too. I mean, they first nine races of Speed Weeks was uh, won by Longhorn, and as we as we talk about this, they said Rocket swept all five races at East Bay, and <clears throat> and they've also won now. Uh, another one at, at Volusia, so six in a row. So nice return for them, rebound for them. Uh, Hudson, if you would have seen him last Wednesday after he hit the wall during uh, during a heat race at East Bay and and knocked the you know sideline for the night, the team was working, had to pull the motor from the car that he crashed, put it in the backup car. I mean, he had, had been fifth, well, I think fourteen races at that point, fifteen races that he had not won a race during speed weeks. And those three races he ran at, at, for the Rocket House Guard team back at the World Finals last November, and man, the, the pressure was was you could see the pressure on him. I mean, you can't see pressure, but you could tell it was on him. You know, uh, he just did not look very. He he just looked downtrodden. He he was not a happy camper. Uh, there was he he wanted a win so bad, and and sometimes you overdrive. Sometimes you. Uh, you know, don't make the moves that you need to make because you don't have that confidence. You haven't gotten that win under your belt. And, and Hudson's a thoughtful kid, and I and he and he admitted that he's heard like some of the the rumblings of people saying the doomsday or doomsday people that say, oh, that's not the right choice or something. So when he got that win at East Bay, it totally changed him. He was a different driver when he got out of the car, and he hasn't lost since. So I think it's uh, I think it shows. Uh, how much a little confidence does for a dirt late model driver. Robert, you're uh, not here at Volusia, but you watched the race on Monday night. In my eyes, I just felt like that was a, a growing up pass that he made. It kind of reminded me of like a Jonathan Davenport where he goes down the backstretch, does the crossover on Tim McCready, and then he runs that bottom and passes uh, Bobby Pierce. Like that was a coming of age pass for him in my, in my mind. But you were at the Sunshine Nationals, and then on that Friday, he didn't make the show. And we're just thinking to ourselves, man, when does the Rocket one not make the show? Because if they don't run well in the heat race, they blow up, they get a provisional, 
Well, they're not running World of Outlaws, so they didn't make that show. And you could just tell that race team and stuff like that, they're kind of like dejected a little bit. But they kept their positive vibes going, and obviously it's paying off. But just from 25 days ago, when this is recording, they didn't make that uh, make that race. It's uh, pretty nuts how much they've just improved in this short amount of time. But just talk about Hudson O'Neill and just, you know, growing up a little bit here in the last couple of weeks. Well, you know, if you remember that um... – that whole weekend kind of for the Sunshine Nationals had a different – that race especially that they didn't make had a different vibe to it. You know, it, it's like when are they not in a race? And so uh, I think running bad is one thing, but to not make the show, that is – that's a that's a whole different animal when you talk about a hit to your confidence. So, uh, you know, credit to, to Hudson O'Neill – for, you know, probably leaning on uh, his father a little bit, leaning on Mark Richards, who is, who's obviously uh, will go down as one of the best in the business ever uh, as far as chassis builders. Uh, So for leaning on that, that rocket chassis race team, uh, they didn't really probably, I'm sure they were all disappointed. And were they, laying in bed at night, looking, you know, looking up, thinking what the hell is going on individually, maybe who's to say, but I think collectively they probably rallied around each other and thought we're close. We've got some things that are not going our way right now. And when it does sway our way, we're going to be okay. Uh, I feel like that's probably where they were. So that whole weekend kind of had a different vibe. Um, and then you come out to East Bay last week, they showed speed, they had some podiums and you knew that they were, they were going to be, be close. Uh, I think the, when you say the rocket chassis house team, that just the expectations, I don't care who you put in that car. Uh, you could put a person that you've never heard of. And I think people would expect them to go out and win the expectations for that team are just so incredibly high. So for a kid like Hudson, remember he's just 22 for a kid like Hudson to accept that, that role as, as that guy. And then for him to to think that he's going to go out and win the first two, three races that he sits in that car. I think even those expect, even though he's won, you know, national touring events, I think those expectations were a little high to be honest uh, it takes a while to get acclimated to to people. It takes a while to get acclimated to just the the communication between the driver and the crew chief, the driver and Mark Richards, Mark Richards and the driver, you know. So I think the expectations were just so high that put on by everybody, they were unrealistic. And now after a dozen races, 15 races, whatever, we have seen it turn the other way. We've seen what confidence, you know, confidence breeds winning. No doubt. Breeds confidence. Confidence breeds more confidence. And and I think that that move that you talked about, as Kevin, I think, wrote about in his story that's, that's online, um, you know, it was – like Tim McCready said in his interview Monday night, third place might have been the best place to be. 
because he's sitting there racing with Bobby Pierce, and all of a sudden here comes Hudson, and he, and McCready is like, you know, Bobby, you better get up on the wheel, or Hudson's going to pass us both, and that's exactly what happened. They were racing. It was a really good race. It was a very entertaining race, and Hudson was in the right place at the right time, took advantage of everything. A person with less confidence might not have taken advantage of those lanes, of those opportunities that were there in front of him. But those two wins at uh, at East Bay ha have really, you know, given him the confidence that he uh, probably needs to say, hey, we can do this. I can do this. I don't know what people are talking about. Let's go out and win races now. So uh, it's an entertaining race Monday night. And I think that uh, if people are still wondering if Hudson O'Neill's uh, job security is in doubt or whatever, maybe they can start talking about something else on the internet now going forward. Yeah, no doubt, Robert. That was some great points there. But Kyle, it's just maybe the media, the social media, all this stuff does put the pressure on them because it is such a big-time race team. Just look in the past. Me and Kovac were talking about it in the kitchen upstairs when we, before this recording. Brandon Shepard in 2012 when he ran the entire Summer Nationals, he only got one win. He turned out pretty good in that race car. And then right now when we have Hudson O'Neill just going through the first, you know, two months of the season, we're like, man, Rocket's dead. Longhorns are dominating. Uh, Hudson O'Neill is just a good fit. Like, he's not making shows. Like, it's high, it's like a high expectations like the New York Yankees. So, you know, the class of the field, that race team. But – but history shows Rick Ecker, when he got in that car in 2014, he only won a couple races. It wasn't like he was like, you know, dominating the world. So it's a big time pressure cooker situation. But once you get that ball rolling, obviously history shows itself as well. You can win a lot of big races. And I think kind of Hudson maybe was thinking that, okay, once we get that first one, this team has proven in the past with the history that we will win a lot of races. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I mean, the first, 15 races you know he has three wins put that in perspective obviously you know if you do the math that's 25 percent ish and you know last year jonathan davenport even though you know this his a body of work last year was 80 some odd races you know he won 30 percent of his races jonathan davenport um on the dot so you know even though it's a much smaller sample size and Hudson, as we're recording this, is fresh off that third win on Monday at Volusia. You know, I mean, he's now winning at a pretty high rate, um, even though it is that small sample size. But yeah, no, I mean, we all know that there is no ceiling, so to speak, when it comes uh, to the Rocket House car team, right? I mean, they we expect them to, you know, if, if they're not in the top five each night, we're kind of wondering what happened and, and what went wrong over the course of the night. And so, I mean, but also too, if you backtrack even before uh, his three wins, I mean, he had a pair of runner ups at East Bay. He was fast at Gold Niles, uh, had a few quick times at Gold Niles, um, even fast off the jump last Charlotte too. So it's not like, they were way off and like the whole a uh, longhorn chassis rocket chassis um not like clash like so to speak i don't want to call it a clash but 
we all know there's there's been talk there and everybody's kind of pitted the numbers against the two uh, chassis builders here to start the season and Longhorn has obviously won more races but it's not like Rocket Chassis has been far off right even after a Hudson O'Neill and I bring that up because Hudson O'Neill is kind of sets the table maybe in a way for the other uh, Rocket Chassis drivers like Ashton Winger and then you know Max Blair also and Tyler Erb you know he also won that feature last week at East Bay so when it comes to the Rocket Chassis bunch versus the Longhorn bunch you know Rocket obviously hasn't won uh the lion's share of races up to this point but they haven't been far off so um we'll see if that kind of triggers a, a trickle down effect you know through the rest of of their uh, chassis camp over at rocket chassis but as for hudson o'neill i mean i was doing the race wire um you know last week at east bay and and when he won that second race he put himself in the top 10 for all all-time wins in lucas oil series history so at age 22 to be in the top 10 in all-time all-time wins in in the lucas oil series we you know i mean there's probably going to be another stretch this year where maybe that winless streak goes 10 plus races again like we just saw let's not question the kid's will to win let's not question is he cut out to win he's a winner he's proven that and so the numbers show it and clearly this stretch that he's on now a back set up and reminds everybody else too you know why mark richards went this way and you know more wins are going to come and uh you know the crown jewels in our sport right they define a driver obviously our crown jewel season isn't until may when it comes to the show me and then obviously we know what's after that too uh the dream and, and then all the other races that follow that so really you know that's a long ways away in terms of talking about wins and you know body of work but we all know if Hudson O'Neill can win, can win one of those crown jewels this year, I think that would even, you know, change his, change his trajectory all the more and steepen that and, and incline that potential that we all know that he has. So, you know, obviously much needed win and, uh, you know, we'll see what, we'll see how the cards turn, you know, this time last month, we were talk, talking about Devin, Devin Moran and, uh, you know, that talk shifted to Ricky Thornton Jr. And then now that talk has kind of shifted to Hudson O'Neill. So we all have seen that, uh, you know, these topics topics of conversation are like a revolving door, but I don't see, you know, us not talking about Hudson from here forward for the rest of the year. So um, good good start for him and, and uh, he can race uh, free and easy now. Yeah, a lot of parody Derek, in our sport this so far. Yeah, Derek, I just want I just I just wanted to to throw out one one thing. Let's not forget that there is one more chassis brand that has actually won during Georgia Florida Speed Weeks. Ross Bales won at Screven in the double nickel. So, uh, oh, so while yeah, we're talking so we gotta, about we gotta, that, maybe they'll get on a while, while we're and they'll win, like, give them give them a little love as well. Okay, along with the 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 Longhorn and the Rocket love, give the the little known double nickel chassis some love as well 
Yeah, shout out Double Nickel. Big time win at Screvin for Ross Bales. Kovac, pressure, say what you want. He's going to the New York Yankees, the you know, Dallas Cowboys. How was like Mark Richards like coaching style changed throughout the years? Like you've been around him a long time, just from afar, seeing what he's done this season. Is it a different than maybe what he did with Sheppy? I think maybe you could kind of see some similarities when, you know, Brandon started in 2012 being a younger guy, but how has he just changed over the years realizing, okay, we got top tier teams, you know, not in our chassis. We got a newcomer coming in. We've won a lot with Brandon over the last five years. So how's he, how you've been seeing how he's maintained that to help out a new driver coming on the race team? Yeah, I, I don't think Mark has like really changed a lot uh, with his, with his way. Maybe he's gotten a little more patient, maybe, uh, uh, especially like after working with Josh, like from uh, before that, it was with Steve Francis, Davey Johnson. He started with Tim Hitt. He started, uh, he ran, had Bart Hartman for a, a year or two when Josh was a, you know, a, a full-fledged rookie back in 2004. Uh, those guys were a lot, they were more experienced than the guys, other than Rick Eckert, than the guys that he's really had as a driver since then, Josh, Brandon, and, uh, and now Hudson. Although he... Josh was the only one that was a real, you know, total had no experience at all when he got in a rocket house car. And, and I, I mean, I don't know if you can compare Mark talking to Josh, bringing him along the same as Brandon and, and, and Hudson, because that was his kid. I'm not sure that Josh was you know, fathers and sons are always going to have some, uh, you know, some, some battles there when they're talking and, you know, kids not going to want to listen to the dad and stuff. It's a little different dynamic than when Brandon and and, uh, Hudson have come in and Brandon and Hudson. Also, I know Mark has always talked about how they, they didn't get in the rocket house car as they were very young. They're both very young, uh, but they also had quite a bit of experience. I mean, Brandon had been running the summer nationals. Uh, He didn't just come from a local track to get in that car. Mark saw that there was a lot of talent there that needed to be refined and he did it. He was able, he, he has a good way of talking and pointing out like what these drivers uh, to drivers, like where to be on the racetrack, how to, how to, how to tackle it. I use the Volusia as an example because the first time the Brandon Shepard went to Volusia with the rocket house car, he didn't do very well. And, and uh, he, it took him a while. And Mark had said this after he won his first race, finally, that he had to tell you how, a driver needs to know that they can go in that first turn barrel in there and it'll stick. I mean, it's such a fast track, such a demanding track. And, and once Brandon figured that out and, and believed in the race car that it would stick, he became really good. I mean, he won four straight outlaw races just a few years ago there. Um, and Hudson's been the same way. He wasn't really good when he first, you know, he had four DNQs in his first, like, you know, three trips there. Um, <clears throat> so this time, now that he's uh, last year, he had a couple t- podiums with, with the double down motorsports car. He was on his way. He was getting there. And then after that first uh, January, the struggle and the DNQ there that he had, uh, Mark sat down, the whole team sat down and they really discussed, this is what we need to do. This is how we need to communicate it, especially at Volusia. And then you look at they come out and win a race. And, uh, and I know Hudson said like, maybe that, he doesn't want to, you know, he don't want to admit it when it happens, when you have a bad night like that. But maybe he said, he goes, maybe that was a good thing. It got us all out in the open. It got Mark talking to me about what I need to do right, uh, what I was doing wrong. 
and and it got in his head and he comes back there ready to go and and, and he wins so uh mark's a good teacher i feel like uh especially with drivers that have actually i mean you know he's shown he could do it with josh richards who had no experience at all other than just being around the sport and now he's doing it with uh some younger guys who do have quite a bit of experience but need to be refined so i think he's going to bring hudson along into another another realm yeah it's just robert just said our sport though it's like parody like 24 days ago we're like man what is going on here now he's on top of the world and like kyle said he could go on like a 10 race losing streak and you you can get lost in the shovel shuffle that quick just because there's so much racing you know he might not win any crown jewels so you just got to take advantage when you're the talk of the town like he is right now (laughs) uh it, it doesn't last long like kyle pointed out you know uh in January, we're talking about how many races can Devin Moran win during speed weeks? Can Devin Moran win an X, X amount of number? Well, guess what? I'm not sure he can now because there aren't but five left. You know, how good is Ricky Thornton Jr. going to be? We were posed with that question. Uh, is this, you know, Ricky Thornton Jr.'s speed weeks that we're all going to be talking about? maybe not now uh with with hudson winning three races um you know davenport jd goes out to vado wins the first three races you know out there and we're talking about how good can you know this jonathan davenport you know double l motorsports team be well it can be great but there are other teams out there that are there, there are a handful of teams out there that are equally uh well equipped um almost everyone at this level has the has the same equipment everybody doesn't have the same resources necessarily even though everybody pulls into the track in the same kind of truck there there are differences some of these trucks are 150,000 some of them are 550,000 everybody pretty much has the same load of tires Everybody doesn't have six or seven motors, though. Some people have one. Some people have three. So while everybody's on track product for everything that they put on the track during a race is pretty much the same. Everybody's resources aren't necessarily the same. There are five or six teams that are elite teams in this sport. And those are the types of teams that get on heaters. Those are the types of teams that you see go three, four stretches, you know, three or four races in a row that win, then maybe off a night or two and then come back and win two more. There are other teams that are capable of winning, though, uh, the capable of putting together, to, capable of winning two out of five, capable of winning two out of seven. And you look and you say, those are very good teams. The parity in this sport is real. The, the difficulty in winning in this sport is real just because – they're like I said, are five or six elite teams or teams that I consider elite teams. Doesn't ma- doesn't mean they're going to run the table. Doesn't mean they're going to win. You know, every single night that they unload because there are other teams that are capable, more than capable. And I think we've seen that during this speed weeks. Brandon Overton, when you you know Brandon Overton, there's another guy right there who won two races, and then you know other than those really nice runs in the warrior car that he had uh down there east bay we haven't really talked about him much so these there are guys out there 
that uh, that every time you line up, you look over to your left, you look over to your right, and you're sitting beside somebody, that guy can win. You know, if you're starting in the – look at what Ricky did, Ricky Thornton did the other night coming from like 19th, 20th or something like that Monday, had a bad prelim situation, came back, you know, the World of Outlaws champion, Dennis Herb, struggled again at Volusia, a track that I thought he would do well at. So even though he did well at East Bay, which is odd, even, you know, so th there are teams out there. The parody, like you said, is real. The conversations, you know, like Kyle mentioned about how we've been talking about different guys. And I guess it's for our job is to dissect this stuff, to talk about this stuff, to see what which direction the sport's going. And, and this Speed Weeks, I think, has proved that uh, that anybody on any given night can win. Uh, personally, I like it. I don't mind seeing a guy win two or three races. I don't like seeing a guy win five or six races during Speed Weeks. It's boring to me. So uh, I think that Hudson's given us a great storyline, winning three in a row after being pretty much, I'm not going to say junk, but a lot of people were. He was not very good early and, you know, back in January, for sure, he wasn't very good. So he's given us a great storyline. A lot of guys have come along, give us great storylines. Tim McCready hasn't won a race yet. What if he comes out and wins two to close out the speed weeks here? Another great storyline. They're out there. We just got to go find them. Yeah, just got to take advantage of when it's your time to win some races and how he's doing that. Speaking of Huddy, Kevin Kovac. Like his dad, a journeyman, getting all these rides. Huddy's in his second, you know, or third, you know, full time ride since dirt late model racing, pretty much. Uh, can he compared to his dad? Can he get the speed week success like his father? Because his dad has a lot of wins down here in Florida, and uh, Huddy's going to try to make that happen here the next few years and try to catch his papa Don O'Neill. Hopefully, he doesn't have his uh, on track altercations like his father. But you think, you know, comparing to his dad a little bit. They both have gotten big time rides and journeymen getting car owners to, you know, race for. So I don't know. It's kind of Hudson's kind of following his dad's footsteps in that part of it. Yeah, he definitely is a different uh, personality than uh, than his dad. I mean, Don O'Neill is just one of them old school hard ass racers that he's ready to, you know, he can he can throw the gloves down. I think, and he probably has done it just on Monday night. Hudson was uh, talking a little bit, doing some. He was talking some Sam Driggers, dirt car uh, director, some Sam Driggers stories at the drivers' meeting, which was canceled uh, on Monday night by Sam Driggers, the dirt car. Uh, that it was a dirt car race because there was only one driver at the you know, meeting at at four oh one when it was supposed to be four o'clock. So Sam says, "No, all right, we're we're done." But anyway, that that, that spurred some Sam Driggers stories, and and Hudson, uh, you know, he even brought up that summer nationals event when uh uh his father headbutted jeep van wormer i think in the track office you know was was there there at Town. yeah jeep was there last night and uh and hudson was i mean he was a youngster he was just a youngster then but he remembers that and so he's seen his dad be very very fiery and he's actually i mean he's he's very calm compared i mean if you see that with a lot of the drivers of the fiery older school you know uh, the sons of the older school fathers, uh, it seems like. Um, so that was, uh, I thought that was a little funny there that he, he has, he remembers some of those moments, but 
Hudson's not going to be that guy like, like his dad. He's not going to be there. I don't think he's ever going to be that fire. He's just a, you know, it's a different world now and a different uh, perspective he has. Uh, but he could certainly wheel a race car with uh, with some uh, uh, like his dad does. And his dad has 24 Speed Weeks wins. Uh, he won 12, at least one race in 12 different years from 2000 to 2017. Uh, he's fourth on the all-time list. Uh, he, he is great. There's one year in 2002 where he won six Speed Weeks races. Um, you, you look back, I was looking back a little Don O'Neill history of Speed Weeks, and, and the one thing that I, I, I noticed, I mean, now Hudson has five total. Volusia on Monday was his first win away from East Bay during Speed Weeks. But in, in, in that whole uh, – and, and all those 12 years that, that his father won races at, at Speed Weeks, there's only one year, one time that he won three in a row like Hudson has. Uh, and it was back in 2002 when he won the last race at East Bay, which was, by the way, a hundred lapper then and paid $26,000 to win. And then on Sat and then on uh, the day, he won the first two nights at Volusia uh, on his way to six wins total. So uh, already Hudson's done something. He's matched something that his father's done in Speed Weeks. And he's only 22. Don wasn't winning races at 22 years old uh, at Speed Weeks. He's 58 right now. He won his first one in 2000. So he was already over 30 years old when he won his first Speed Weeks race. Hudson has quite a few years now on it. He could be literally, he could have more wins in Speed Weeks. Because uh, I think he's in for the long haul. Hudson is, is going to be a long haul driver here as a full-timer. By the time he makes it to 30, he could be right up there around uh, Don's total wins. I mean, Brandon Shepard's, he's 30. He's already right around that, too. He's, uh, he's around 20 wins. So uh, Hudson has a lot of Speed Weeks wins now, and they're just – he's blossoming into, uh, into his, his dad's records, I guess, his dad's uh, resume. Yeah, and uh, Don O'Neill is kind of like a rare thing. He – towards like the later – of his career, not later of his career, but of age wise is when he really started, you know, to make some noise. I mean, he won that championship for Lucas Oil when he was in his forties, right, Kovac? So, you know, he was kind of a late, late bloomer racing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, time rides. Oh yeah. I mean, he, he just was five years ago, six years ago was his uh, last win at Volusia, you know, his last speed weeks win at Volusia. So, I mean, he's got, it's a, yeah, he didn't start really early on the road running all over the place you know i mean his his heyday really was starting around that late 90s into the 2000s and um and then he won his big a lot of his bigger races in the 2010s you know uh, <laughs> at eldorum and all that so uh it's yeah he's it's a it's a different trajectory of a career than hudson has and i know don don's mentioned that before like yeah i i, I wasn't doing what hudson was at hudson's age i wasn't doing that he didn't start out as a teenager running a national tour. So uh, there, there's differences there between those two, personality-wise and in the way they've gone there with their careers. Kyle, you said it earlier, perfect point. He's a proven winner throughout his career. He's only, you know, 22. Um, so he's probably going to pass his dad in a lot of things nationally, like historically numbers, uh, especially if he's winning like four or five speed week races, you know, in a, in a season historically, just like the rocket one car does. So I think, I think he's going to be okay. Don't you think to, you know, pass his dad in some of these, like, you know, speed week wins, national touring wins, championships. I think he's going to be okay. And the time he's 30, 35, he'll be racing, but he'll be year 20 in racing. 
in dirt late mile racing, which is crazy. Yeah, for real. If there's anything that I guess Hudson has shown here to start the year is that, you know, especially after his performance at Volusia, I think that really kind of sums it up in a nutshell to go from just as Robert mentioned, don't want to call him, didn't want to call him junk back at Volusia, but based off of their standards and not make the feature that Friday night last month at Volusia to winning the other night in that fashion, right? To come from behind and a race had four leaders to upend Tim McCready and Bobby Pierce to where if both of those drivers, Bobby Pierce and Tim McCready, if they lead at any given point in a race, right? It's almost, don't want to call it a lock, but very seldom do we see Tim McCready and Bobby Pierce give up the lead or relinquish the lead over the course of a race, right? So for Hudson O'Neill to come from behind the other night on Monday and, and win after he didn't make the feature last time he showed up at Volusia, I think that in a nutshell really, really like sums up just how quick of a learner he is. That's kind of cliche, but I mean, it shows, right? I mean, he Hudson has shown over the course of his career his short career up to this point, which seems a lot longer than 22 years old. You know, I'm always kind of bringing, bringing myself back to the fact that he's only 22. And so, and what could lie ahead of them, you know, is, is, as I said earlier, you know, there is no ceiling, I don't think to Hudson O'Neill. And so, yeah, I mean, anything's on the table at this point, right? I really think, and obviously these are conversations for later on in, in the year, and I'm sure we'll get to them, but, you know, Hudson O'Neill at Eldora with the Rocket House car team, you know, how are they going to stack up, right? And so, and then you can even take that a step further in uh, the Lucas Oil points and, you know, that series, obviously, too. I mean, they're still, you know, he's got to put himself, obviously, in that top four going into Eldora. And obviously that's um, a storyline that we will follow over the course of the year. And so obviously these are intervals and stepping stones in his career that, you know, he's checking off, he's hitting, and he's progressing in a way that we all would expect. And so I guess like looking back on his start to the year, I mean, 15 races, got three wins. I think if we would have sat down last year when he would have got this ride, and if we all would have said three wins to start his first 15 races in the Rocket House car team, even though they have been on the back end of those 15 races, still three wins in those first 15 races. I think we, I think everyone would agree that, okay, you know, that's, we would expect probably two wins in those first 15 races, but three, you know, certainly uh, would be, um, you know, proof that, um, you know, he is the driver that we all thought he would be and, and continues to just develop. But no, I I look at the, you know, how is a driver progressing year in and year out, right? Because we see drivers that, you know, they have one good year, good year, right? And, and they don't, really progress or they have two good years and then they don't really progress. But like Hudson, he's shown that 
he has, you know, progressed year in and year out. And, um, you know, I just think his performance at Volusia coming back to winning that race on Monday after not even making the feature. I know we talked about it a lot, but, you know, don't overlook that fact that, uh, you know, that, that he picks up what he is clearly applying for Mark Richards, as Kevin mentioned, you know, just like the teacher that Mark Richards is. And he's clearly applying that. So to have the wealth of knowledge and obviously the resources that Mark Richards has to offer over there, I mean, Hudson O'Neill is just going to continue to just get better in that race race team and that race program, you know, is going to continue to obviously, um, you know, win a lot of races. So yeah, he's going to be just fine. He is just fine. And, uh, you know, looking ahead, I mean, who, who knows what he could accomplish, you know, from here forward. And so, you know, it's our job to analyze it and to maybe project and to, um, have a little fun with what, you know, we think, where drivers going, where our sport is going. And, and what I always appreciate about our sport is, you know, we have personalities from top to bottom, from the veterans to the up and comers to the talents, uh, you know, like Hudson and, uh, you know, keeps our sport fresh. And uh, obviously in terms of the younger fan, you know, I think if there's one aspect that I've been impressed with Hudson, just, being around in the pits and, and, you know, when the cameras are off, when he's not on the racetrack is just his, his personality and, and, you know, how the younger fans approach him and treat him. And so, you know, that's integral, obviously for the longevity of our sport. And so it just goes beyond more than just his win numbers and what we think he can accomplish as a driver, you know, his, his marketability and his personality and his willingness to make time for those younger fans and to connect with those younger fans is very important too. Yes. Hudson finally got the monkey off his back, gets the win. He's on a hot streak as we're recording on Valentine's day. This will be premiered, you know, on the 15th. So I'll have to wait and see what he does tonight. All right. So one more thing, we always do this, but I want to do it Volusia style. So if you have uh, a, no, one more thing, put it on the back burner. I just want to go around the room because we're at, you know, uh, the Dirt Car Nationals, and I kind of want to do it a Volusia theme a little bit. So if you have anything, one more thing that maybe fans are coming to the racetrack, a cool story from the past. Uh, Robert, what is your one more thing about Volusia? Because you've been coming here a long time. I remember we were talking to the press box that one day where the go-kart track was. That's where the dirt track was. And then the, the asphalt was on the big track now, which I think is very crazy. But what's just one more thing of Volusia? Because you've been coming here a long time, and this is kind of where uh, I met you down here at Speed Weeks way back when. I'm going to uh, I'm going to veer off. It's not necessarily Volusia, but it is Speed Weeks related. My one more thing, Derek. Uh, it's about guys that we may not have talked about, uh, and uh, and I was just looking through some notes earlier. And there are uh, six guys who have entered at least 10 races and who have made all 10 of those events. And here we're, we're we've been talking about guys like Devin who won at Volusia and, and all these people who are winning races, Kyle Bronson, Tanner English, Tyler Erb, Spencer Hughes, Tim McCready, and Earl Pearson Jr. 
If I miss someone, I apologize. But those six guys have entered at least 10 Georgia-Florida Speed Weeks events this year and have made every feature that they've entered. I think J.D. may have been on the outside of that with nine races and making nine, but I went with 10. There are a couple other guys who missed just one, but uh, I'm interested. My one more thing, I guess, if I wanted to relate that to Volusia, I'm interested to see if those guys can keep that up through these last, you know, four or five races at Volusia, because we know that it is very tough to make races there. And we know that it's a place where, you know, you could be a hero one day and a zero the next. So, uh, and I guess if, if you were forcing, if you were forcing me to say, Hey, I need something Volusia, I will never forget trying to interview Donnie Moran when he had two ice cream cones in his hand and he could barely answer a question because they were dripping. They were, the, the ice cream was running down his, the cones and off his hands and stuff. So that's a, that's a humorous thing that sticks out for me about Volusia. But uh, as I move forward through Georgia, Florida speed weeks, I'm going to have my eye on those six guys to see if they can finish out strong and, and see who does make every single race that they enter down here during Georgia, Florida speed weeks. Yeah. Majority of those guys were at Volusia sunshine nationals, as you mentioned. So uh, they had to get a good start early and hope to continue their success. And, like you said, yeah, Volusia's a different animal. A lot of things can happen there. The racetrack always has wild conditions every single night. Uh, Kyle, how about you? Well, I uh, never been to Volusia. Um, don't have any stories like you three do from there. But I guess one thing that, you know, I was just like looking through other winners last year and just like looking through the drivers and, and uh the entry list here early on here uh, throughout the week and, and one name that I, I have noticed that isn't you know at Volusia that won last year is Dale McDowell right so um interesting I haven't you know talked with Dale and 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 you know the ballpark number of races that he's trying to hit this year too but that's also one that's I guess one Volusia nugget if I had to give one that that stands out to me uh, you know, that Dale and McDowell isn't, uh, isn't on hand to defend our, one of his dirt card national uh, rounds. So, but, Kyle, you want to hear some breaking news? You want to hear some breaking oh, news? Yeah. Go back and <laughs> yeah. yourself on YouTube as well, buddy, because I can hear you typing. Um, Dale McDowell is going to be here now. So his last second decision is coming oh, down to Volusia. So, he will be able to defend his crown. That's some breaking news for the people at home. They're probably going to know about it uh, uh, tonight when we're recording because I think he's going to enter. So, Mac Daddy, they decided to come down here last second. So, maybe he can get a win because last year he was very, very good here. Very good. Yeah, no. I was just looking through his schedule. It wasn't on his schedule. So, that was uh, secret knowledge there for me, and, and that's even breaking news there for me too. So, uh, but, no, that's very good. and and. Um, you know, I'm brought back to that moment last year because obviously a very sentimental win there for Dale McDowell. And uh, that really set the tone, you know, for the rest of his year, uh, his nine win season last year. So very good to see Dale McDowell back uh, in the fold. So I guess that uh, segued there perfectly into that and in, in, into that of Alicia um, related one more thing. 
Kovac, how about you? You've been going since the late, uh, what, late 60s or 70s probably. You've been going down for a long time. Oh, it's early 82 or 83, whatever year it was. I can't remember. Oh, good. Now it's 82, 83. Come on, D-Swab. 86, 87 was the first time I went as a teenager with my parents to see the big blocks, Billy the Kid Pouch run, you know. Late models were there, obviously. You've been going there since the Gulf War started. But, you know, but I've been going there since 98. When the big track went back to dirt in 1998, Big blocks went back there. I went there to cover them. I also did late. I was also writing about the late models. Too. We know your history. Well, of since this is 25 years. I get a, an anniversary. Well, here one more thing about pollution. Yeah. Well, one more thing you keep. I will talk about it if you give me a chance. You know, uh, that one thing I'm going to talk about 25 years and you know, of going here. The one thing that's really stuck out to me. Well, I mean, two things. I mean, there's the track has become so built up. Nice. Great new grandstands. But there was one – I can remember so the, – the way they've run the races there has been so much better than it was 25 le, – even less than 25 years, in the two, into the 2000s. There would be shows that I can remember running he, uh, consolations. It was still after midnight when they were running them. Uh, it, was, it was annoying. I mean, you wanted to get out. I mean, back then, we didn't – there was no deadline. And when I had a race – you know, I was writing race – for a racing paper the deadline was not right after the race was over so everybody wanted to go out downtown in daytona and when it was ending at like one or two in the morning because they had so many uh it was not a well-run show that wasn't good now i mean world race group has done wonders in that department monday night's race with uh it was a two division show late models and usac sprint cars ended at 9 31 started First race was at seven o'clock, right on the dot. Basically, first heat race ended at nine. I mean, that was perfect. I mean, that was a great race car uh, racing show, and they do that more often than not. They're not really going toward. I mean, they have to have some problems if they're really going really super late. Uh, they've really got that under control. They've made it much more fan friendly. People would want. I think people want to come now because they know that they aren't going to be held hostage at the racetrack until after midnight. Uh, I mean, 10, 10, 30, that's a good, that's a good end show. Good three hour show. Now I like a uh, Volusia. They get a, they get a big thumbs up for me for the way they've made their shows better. Yeah. Not to mention huge crowds early in the week here. I cannot wait to see what it looks like Friday and Saturday when you get the big block, the Northeastern folk that come up and then you'll have the NASCAR fans. that like to go, you know, check out some dirt racing. them and going to the 500 for, for a lot of years now, the Dirt Car National has been going on for over 50-some years. I think it's the 53rd annual. So crazy to see how big this thing has gotten, how nice the facility is. My one more thing is I don't think there's any track in America where the weather is just so, like, messed up. One day it could be 80% chance of rain, sunny. Next day, 10% chance of rain, we get a rain out. There's this mist constantly at Volusia. Heck, we've even seen races get fogged out there. It's just... I don't know what it is about that track. Obviously, it's, you know, relatively close to the beach. Um, but every single year, it just seems like it has just wacky weather. You can never predict it. Uh, we went to the racetrack, and it's sunny, and all of a sudden, it just starts to storm. And just, I don't know, craziness about the one more uh, – craziness about Volusia is the weather. I don't think any track in America has has just the different ugh, precipitation, fog, just a whole bunch – of stuff in between. I know, like, what, two years ago, T-Mac won an early fog out race that Monday or Tuesday, which, you know, you don't see very much. So, yep, that's my one more thing. If uh, fans are coming out here, just you never know. 
bring a sweatshirt, bring a rain jacket, bring an umbrella, bring, you know, shorts, because the weather changes, you know, on a dime here at Volusia Speedway Park. Uh, well, we got a few more nights of Speed Weeks 2023. The light, as uh, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, we're going to continue having great stories, great uh, updates. Uh, we're going to have one lap, one beer. Ben Shell did some cool stuff with James Essex and uh, Freddie Carpenter. So be sure to check those out. We'll have full recaps, the drive home. Keep your browsers locked in at dirtondirt.com and Flow Racing. We also have some stuff on live at Flow as well, some NASCAR and other things as well. I'm Derek Kessinger. This is the Dirt Reporters. Thank you for watching. Uh, until next time, we will see you next week.